Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the Hoagie Hangover Podcast. My name is Andrew Alex. I am joined today by both Mike McDaniel and Ricky LeBlue. However, Mike McDaniel's baby started crying, so he has stepped away for the moment. Hopefully, he will be back by the end of the episode. But Ricky, you are chilling. What's going on, bro? I don't know that I'd say that I'm chilling. Uh, I'm on my lunch break, so we're pulling out all the stops to make sure that this episode gets recorded, but glad that we could get together. Tech had a good win last weekend, and uh, this weekend should be a relatively easy tune-up prior to the gauntlet, which begins with West Virginia. True that, true that. We'll get to all of it in just a second, but first we got to thank the good folks over at Main Street Pharmacy. Main Street Pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg is the pharmacy you want to go to if you want a healthcare provider that truly cares about you. Be a neighbor. Not a number, and look no further than Main Street Pharmacy. Dr. Jeremy Kelts and his wonderful staff will take care of everything you need. So, Ricky, let's dive right into it. Uh, did you you predicted a win over Boston College? Am I correct? I did. Okay. So, was that how you thought it would go down? Because, quite frankly, I was on the other side. Right? I was like. Jacobic and Zay Flowers are too good. This offense isn't going to be able to score enough to keep up with them. The defense can't keep the performance going, you know, two games in a row. And I was wrong because it turns out it doesn't matter how big of an arm Jacobic has or how fast Zay Flowers can run. If he can't get the ball out quickly enough because the offensive line can't hold up, well, it's going to be a different story. You could put Trevor Lawrence back there. You could put Peyton Manning back there. You know, you need time to throw the ball. Virginia Tech did not give them that time. Was that the game plan that you expected to be the one that was successful for Virginia Tech? That's how I expected them to play. Um, but one thing I did not expect, and I think we're just going to have to kind of get used to this for the rest of the years. Historically speaking, Boston College has always been good in the trenches. They've had reliable edge rushers. They've had consistent guys on the defensive line in the interior. Their offensive line has been physical. Uh, they, they've played sound football. Uh, that is not the case right now for Boston College. Some would the say quite the opposite. Line, yeah, the offensive line for BC is probably one of the worst in Power Five. Um, I saw something just before we, we hopped on here how – the, I believe it was from David Hale with ESPN, tweeted that uh, currently two of the top uh, pass-rushing teams in the nation through the first couple weeks 
are Virginia Tech and Rutgers. Well, what do those teams have in common? They've both played BC. So the Eagles have a, a serious issue up front on both sides of the football, and I'm, I'm rather surprised about that. Uh, but, I mean, in, in terms of the play style, I think this is exactly how Virginia Tech is going to have to win football games for the remainder of the year. Um, it's not going to look very pretty. It's going to kind of look like 2017 if it goes well, where Virginia Tech's offense uh, can score just enough points to, to give them a chance to win, but ultimately whether or not Virginia Tech wins will depend on a consistent and reliable defense. And uh, Saturday was a good start in that regard. The pass rush was phenomenal. Tywan Garvin had the best game of his career. Uh, the defensive tackles uh, built on what they did against Old Dominion and were very disruptive, uh, both in, in, in pass, rush pass rush situations, but also in the run game. And the defensive front, specifically the, those defensive linemen, they're going to have to carry the water for a good chunk of the year. Um, and they certainly did it against BC. Yeah, Ricky, I mean, you know, it wasn't a step back defensively. And I got to give a shout out right here real quick. Shout out to my boy Christian Snyder. He Snapchatted me that he got engaged, formerly known as the man formerly known as Christian, the bartender from Champs. So, Christian, I love you, brother. Virginia Beach resident, just like uh, Ricky LeBlue. But uh, nonetheless, you know, you look at this defense and Taiwan Garbutt doesn't have to be you know, what he was against Boston College every day. Because quite frankly, he's not. You know, the commonality of what we saw against Boston College, what we saw against Old Dominion, the reality is that after Wofford, those could very well be the two worst offensive lines on the schedule for Virginia Tech. And that's including Liberty. You know, West Virginia is going to be a bigger, uh, more physical team than anything Virginia Tech's seen so far. And that's in the trenches on both sides of the ball. So... The offensive line is going to have to step up and the defensive line is going to have to, you know, provide a performance. Maybe it doesn't have to be as disruptive because if Virginia tech could be as disruptive towards the quarterback as they were against Boston college, you know, we're talking about a nine, 10 win season. That's not going to happen, but it's a good start in the linebacker play. I mean, Ricky, is it just me? What Dax Hollyfield looks like a brand new man out there. And I don't know if, you know, it's a change of scenery, the new scheme, a change in mentality. I mean, he looks, you know, in the words of Kanye West, harder, better, faster, stronger. He looked like an All-American out there. And this is now with the fact that we know, you know, Jaden Keller is a formidable fill-in for Alan Tisdale, who out due to an eligibility issue, we don't know if he's going to be back. But suddenly, you know, this linebacking core, which, I, I mean, the last, two seasons really 2021 and 2020 have been a, a weak for Virginia Tech suddenly looking a little bit stronger I think this is the most complete defense that Tech's had since what 2017 yeah Dax has definitely been a a large reason why this defense is playing a lot better he has looked far more comfortable He's looked far more aggressive and confident in what he's doing. And 
that's going to help at all three levels. Now, I, I do think he's benefiting from a disruptive and productive uh, defensive line, but most good linebackers do. Um, if, if you can keep your linebackers clean and uh, allow them to make tackles in the middle of the field and uh, especially to keep from, you know, to keep your mics from being exposed in coverage too much and um, exposed in space. That's what Virginia Tech's done through two games, and Dax's uh, performance is indicative of that. I mean, he's he's not someone who's going to be able to keep pace with guys downfield in coverage, and we all know that, and that's okay. Virginia Tech doesn't need him to do that. What they need him to do is be sound in his gaps. Uh, they need him to be consistent in his tackling. Uh, they need him to be able to play aggressive, and that's what he's done so far. And you're absolutely right. It, he, he, has, he has looked completely different than he has over the last couple of seasons. And if he's able to keep this up, which I hope he is, it's, it's early, it's a long season, teams are going to start making adjustments. We'll have to see how Virginia Tech handles that. But if he's able to keep up this kind of play, Dax will certainly give himself a chance to be drafted. And and I don't know if that would have been the scenario um, had he not had this kind of performance. If he had played how he had been playing for the last couple of seasons, I'm not sure he gets a look in the NFL outside of maybe a, a, a training camp invite. But uh, he's played very, very well so far, and he's definitely – giving himself a chance to continue playing after after he leaves Blacksburg. Um, and he's been a, a huge a huge cog in that machine. And also I think it's worth mentioning that he's doing it with inexperienced guys around him. Keontae Jenkins is not a linebacker by trade. Jaden Keller is a redshirt freshman. Jaden McDonald has played at like all three levels of the defense at various points throughout his career at Virginia Tech, starting out as kind of this safety linebacker hybrid and and there's talks about moving them both the defensive end both the mcdonald uh, brothers now he's playing this this linebacker spot and he's filled in very well i think yeah jade mcdonald more, has more positions than semesters under his belt at this point yeah so i mean at, at a certain point i think it's also you know worthy giving dax credit for being able to play as well as he's played with the inexperience surrounding him at his level. And you have to hope that that's only going to get better as the season goes on and as those guys get more snaps. I mean, I agree completely. I, I agree completely, Ricky. And, you know, flipping over to the other side of the ball, the offense. I mean, this is kind of the blueprint for Virginia Tech to win going forward on the defensive side of the ball. It's going, you're going to need a above average defensive performance. That's kind of the baseline of what Virginia Tech's looking at. I just have a hard time believing that Virginia Tech is allowing 40 points in any game this season and coming out of that game with a victory. But the defense can keep a team under 30, maybe even below 30, but, and the offense can not shoot themselves in the foot like they did against Old Dominion. The Virginia Tech's going to have a chance to win. And it really started with Grant Wells, who, you know, exhibited better decision-making all throughout that game. He didn't turn the ball over. It looked like Tyler Bowen drew up a game plan that was perhaps 
a little more conservative, more checkdowns, but ultimately Grant Wells hit the targets he needed to hit and more receivers got involved. I mean, who would have thought if we had this conversation, you know, a year ago, right? Connor Blumrick leading the team in receptions in an ACC victory. You know, I don't think that we can change our opinion on the overall caliber of this receiving core, but at least they showed that they had options last night and they got the job done when they needed to. Connor Blumrick is just such an interesting guy because he's, he's not big, right? Like he, he's a very lanky, uh, lanky football player, but he plays extremely physical. And uh, I was rather surprised after the old Dominion game, how little of a role he played until Virginia Tech was basically throwing Hail Marys down the field on the final possession. He was an afterthought like uh, against Old Dominion. But you get him into the Boston College game, they work him in right away. Uh, he makes dividends right away. And he looked like the most explosive uh, and, and potentially impactful receiver on the field. And that includes Caleb Smith. Uh, Lumberg was lining up all over the place. He was making blocks in the run game. Uh, he was able to make guys miss in the open field. I don't know if that's something that they can do consistently. I certainly hope it is. Lumberg's a great athlete, but they've got to be able to find a way to try and exploit that. And that's exactly what they did against BC. And I wrote about it in my recent column at adultsdistrict.com, which you should go read it. Uh, they were able to get Connor Blumrick the ball in situations where he could make things happen. Uh, they were able to get him the ball on third long situations downfield. They were able to get him the ball in space and let him make guys miss. Uh, if he's going to do that consistently, then you know, he could be what Virginia Tech fans were hoping Jaden Blue would become. Uh, because Caleb Smith has cemented himself as wide receiver one, and he made a fantastic catch uh, on a go ball that was ended up being a one-handed grab where he was being interfered with. And Caleb Smith is a physical guy, and he's, he's a, a good locker room presence, and he's certainly your number one receiver. But you've got to have at least another guy that you can rely on in the pass game to make receptions and to try and create some explosive plays. And Blumrick, to his credit, was that guy against Boston College. Hopefully he can continue that. But Grant Wells said it best after the game, I thought, where he said, I don't know how teams are going to defend him because he is such kind of a, a unicorn, if you will, in the sense that uh, he could line up at outside receiver, he can line up in the slot, he can line up in the backfield, he can play quarterback, he can play uh, kind of your inline tight end. We saw that a lot against BC. And he can be physical in all of those phases. So, Connor's, I have a feeling Connor Blumberg is going to be a consistent part of the game plan for the remainder of the season as long as he's healthy. Now, Rick, taking a look at that running back room, I mean, Kishon King for a half of football uh, built upon the performance that we saw from him uh, against Old Dominion. Now, we didn't see him in the second half. Uh, he says he's fine. I suspect that had the game been a little bit tighter, 
we probably would have seen him return. But at this point, you know, with Jalen Holston's health in question, Malachi Thomas obviously has yet to see the field through two games. And I don't think many expect him to see the field at least until that month of October. But albeit, regardless, do you believe Kashawn King to be a possibility for, you know, running back number one, even with all three of those guys healthy? He's been the best running back on the field to this point, and it's not close. Uh, Keyshawn has as much explosiveness as Malachi Thomas. Uh, Malachi, I think, runs a bit more, uh, a bit more, with a bit more physicality, but Keyshawn King is as explosive as they come, and, and he's been kind of a revelation so far. Uh, it's a shame that he got dinged up against BC because I think that having him back there in the second half might have allowed Virginia Tech to get a, to start to run away with it earlier. But he he can certainly be the guy, and I think right now if he's healthy, he's earned that spot as your as your number one guy. And Jalen Holston uh, can certainly be you know an option. I think in in shorter situations given his his size. Uh, Jalen Holston's also been very good in pass protection. We saw him on the field a lot in passing situations. Uh, but I thought I, I Keyshawn King uh, certainly cemented himself as uh, the, the proven runner right now in the room for as far as this year goes. And quite honestly, I thought Chance Black looked pretty good in, in the limited situations he had. He's very shifty, uh, and he's, he's a guy that might be able to provide that change of pace. But if Keyshawn King is healthy, he needs to be getting uh, at least a plurality of the carries. And you have to hope that Malachi Thomas will be able to spell him a little bit when he uh, finally gets on the field. But Keyshawn King's going to have to be the guy uh, at this point until further notice. And he, I think he's certainly earned that role as the guy. And as long as he's getting a, a fair amount of carries, I think Virginia Tech has a chance to have a good running game. Yeah, man, it's, uh, you know, you're absolutely right. And the running game has been to this point, uh, especially given the health issues that we've seen from the dudes who were slotted as number one and number two, neither of them had been full go. And Virginia Tech on the ground through two games has exceeded, you know, what my personal expectations certainly would have been for them coming in. Uh, Mike, are you back? No, he's not back. <laughs> little green thing went around his box real quick okay Rick, let's move on to Wofford here you know this is a game where this is the Wofford team no not a top tier team at FCS and for all the problems that Virginia Tech has had over the past few years with Furman and Rhode Island and even Richmond last year like those were solid teams Wofford has yet to score so far this season by all accounts this should be a blowout so how quickly are we getting the starters out of this game? Well, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there have been situations in the past under the previous regime, obviously, where you, you know, you thought that Virginia Tech would boat race their opponent. And, you know, by midway through the third quarter, you're starting to think, okay, let's go ahead and get the, get the starters out either at the end of the quarter or next drive or whatever. Um, my, my hope is that, you know, by the start of the fourth quarter, the game will be 
firmly in Virginia Tech's grasp, and Brent Pry will be able to give some of these younger players a chance. Uh, but with that said, this offense has its scoring issues, and it's certainly uh, at least somewhat foreseeable that Virginia Tech could you know, maybe have 24, 28 points or something like that. Uh, and Virginia Tech just, you know, never finds a rhythm offensively. I think that that's certainly a possibility. Um, I don't know if it's a probability, but there is a scenario in which that happens, which if that's the case, Virginia Tech starters are going to play four quarters of football here. Um, I think what's most likely to happen is that Virginia Tech finally puts that nail in the coffin like early fourth quarter. Uh, and, you know, maybe they go up by four scores at that point, and then that's when Brent Pry will call off the dogs. Uh, but I, I think that this game is extremely important for the offense to try and find its identity. You know, that Virginia Tech, that was one thing that we never really found under Justin Fuente after 2016. Virginia Tech never really knew who they were offensively. You, you never really knew – uh, what Virginia Tech wanted to be because things just fluctuated so much from week to week. Virginia Tech needs to start to develop that identity now. Uh, this is a perfect uh, situation to try and do that. Like you mentioned, Wofford is not considered to be a, uh, a, a, a good or really good FCS program. Uh, this should be a game where Virginia Tech has a wide talent gap at just about every single position on the field. These are the opportunities where you have to go in there and and dominate from from start to finish. And uh, I'm pretty confident that Virginia Tech's defense is going to be stifling in this game. I can't imagine them giving up more than 10 points. Uh, and hopefully the offense is able to find a little bit of rhythm and, you know, the offense starts to uh, approach or surpass the – the 40 point mark but i don't know man i've we've been here before right like we've experienced these situations in which virginia tech goes up against a uh, far inferior opponent and never gets it going offensively and it ends up being a very unhappy disappointing 28 to 3 win or something like that uh, i hope that's not what we get uh but i don't think it's off the table uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, nothing's off the table at this point. What the expectation has to be, and, and you're right, Ricky, this is definitely an opportunity for Virginia Tech to, you know, assert what they would want to look like in an ideal world. Because uh, it is really an ideal situation to do that. This isn't a very good team in Wofford. Uh, but also, given that Thursday night is coming up, you know, I, I want the starters off the field by like the second quarter. Let's get them some rest. <laughs> No, I'm serious. Like, I mean, it would, yeah, that would be score yeah, that's a great points. point. I didn't, even, Jason Brown. I, I didn't even think of that. That's a fantastic point is that Virginia Tech's got a short week coming up against a team that uh, they could definitely lose to. So you're right. It is, it is important that Virginia Tech is able to get some of those guys, especially, you know, your guys up front, uh, your linebackers, your running backs, guys that are getting hit on every play. If you can get save those guys two quarters of football or even a quarter of football, uh, that that will go a long way in trying to prepare them for this short week. 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. Any players that you're particularly cued in on, you know, assuming that the backups are going to come in? So I'm very curious to see how Jason Brown plays. Um, you know, I'm hoping that we'll see him in a non-injury situation. Uh, I'm curious to see what he would be able to offer from the quarterback position. Jaden Blue should get plenty of run in this game if it gets out of hand. Uh, Jaden Blue, I, I think, needs to, to really uh, show, show the, the, the team, the coaches, the fan base, uh, why he was brought in because uh, we haven't really seen that uh, up to this point. Uh, defensively, uh, I'd like to see what those, the, the, those secondary defensive linemen can do when they're given more snaps. Uh, I, I'd like to see the secondary, how they would be able to hold up in those situations. Uh, we've seen some of those guys get brought in against Boston College, out of Jalen Sherman, Freon Murray, who was obviously suspended for week one. Uh, would those guys be able to dominate, you know, coming in against inferior opponents? If they are, then you, you feel pretty good about them being competent players uh, against Power 5 teams. So really all the way around, because Tech's depth is in question at just about every position, Uh Every position group stops some question marks as it relates to the second and third team players. Um, so in a situation where they're starting to get a lot of run in the fourth quarter, I, I'd be very, you know, a lot of times you just tune that stuff out because the game's already out of hand. But I'd be very curious to see how Virginia Tech holds up in the trenches, uh, holds up at the, the, you know, the positions outside. Uh, I'd be curious to see how they hold up in those in those situations. Yeah, I mean, Ricky, to your exact point there, there is obviously a, uh, a hesitation to get that second string offensive line in. We just haven't seen them yet. So what does offensive line number two look like? And can they, at least against a subpar Wofford team, dominate? Those are my questions. And same on the defensive line. We don't know what happens if Norrell Pollard, Josh Fuga get hurt for any period of time. Mario Kendricks, of course, too. I mean, we know Wilfred Panay is in there, but how do those guys hold up? You know, these are questions that we don't want to have to be ex experiencing our first glimpse of when the fire is there to be put out. And that is what, if you're a Virginia Tech fan, you should watch. Because if those guys are having trouble against Wofford, that could uh, spell trouble in the long run for Virginia Tech. All right, Rick, any final thoughts here? I know we're on a time crunch. No, I mean, this is, you know, we, we always talked about under Justin Fuente how these FCS games were really important for the team to get right because it seemed like every time Virginia Tech walked into these games, they were still trying to solve some issues with their team. And I think we're in a similar situation this year, and I, I, I'm hopeful that tech will respond in kind and and actually put together a dominant wall-to-wall -wall waxing of a team like Wofford, which is exactly what should happen. I mean, tech should win this game by the second quarter. This game should be completely out of reach by halftime. And I'm not expecting Virginia Tech to score 70 points, but these are the kinds of games where, like, there should be no doubt when, when the teams walk into the locker room at halftime that the second half is just a formality. And that wasn't always the case under Justin Fuente, and oftentimes it wasn't the case.
So hopefully under this new coaching staff with, you know, a lot of players that um, are experiencing their first, you know, few times as starters in these games, hopefully they can go out there and take care of business. All right, Rick, rapid fire ACC picks. Florida State, Louisville, Friday night. Florida State on the road, two and a half point favorites. Florida State, I, I think that's a, I think that's a pretty safe pick. I'm right there with you. All right, Old Dominion travels to UVA on Saturday. UVA eight and a half. As much as I'd like to pick Old Dominion to uh, cover that spread, I think I think Virginia is going to rebound after that poor showing in Illinois. Uh, I'm going to say ODU covers, but UVA probably wins. Syracuse, one-point favorite at home versus Purdue. Going with the Orange, man. Something uh, that they surprised me last week. Uh, I think they've been better than advertised this year. Uh, so I'll go ahead and take the Orange. I mean, that's basically a pick game. I'm going to take Purdue. I love the quarterback they got over there. All right, Ole Miss minus 16 at Georgia Tech. 16 and a half, excuse me. Ole Miss is starting to get a lot of love. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go with the Rebs. Uh, I'm not all that confident that Georgia Tech can can keep it close against a pretty solid SEC team. I'm right there with you. This one could get ugly in a hurry. Uh, Liberty travels to Wake. Wake, 16 and a half point favorites. This is an extremely important game as far as uh, Virginia Tech is concerned. You really would get an idea as to what Liberty is going to look like when uh, when Tech goes to Lynchburg later this season. Sixteen and a half is a lot of points. I'm gonna I'm gonna bet on Sam Hartman to to go ahead and cover that. But sixteen and a half is a lot. If I was an actual better and I was an actual degenerate like Michael McDaniel, I would avoid this game. Uh, I'm going to take Wake Forest. I believe in Sam Hartman, and I just don't think that Liberty is, you know, in the post-Malik Willis era, that high of a caliber team that can keep up with the uh, the Joneses that are Wake Forest. Shout out Chase Muma. All right, NC State minus 10, hosting Texas Tech. Yeah, this is another spread I don't really care for. 10 seems like a lot of points for any ACC team. Uh, to cover against the Power 5 opponent, even at home. Uh, I'm also going to bet on the Wolfpack to go ahead and cover this. Uh, I don't know a ton about Texas Tech, but I think NC State got scared enough against ECU where they're going to start to get things right. I like Texas Tech in this one. I still like NC State to win, but I think Texas Tech keeps it close. Uh, you know, they just had a very good showing uh, beating Houston, so... You know, that, that's not a shabby football team. I believe they'll be competitive in that one. Pitt only minus 10. They have to travel to Western Michigan. I believe they lost this one last year before they ended up going on to win the ACC. Did they win again? Yeah, Pitt will win this game. They they didn't play all that well against Tennessee, but Tennessee's a, a pretty solid football team. But I'll go ahead and take the Panthers to cover that. Yeah, I like Pitt in this one, too. Fan of Tennessee's quarterback. He uh, showed out as he has been showing out since he arrived in Rocky Top. Uh, Pitt's still a competitive team, maybe a little bit overrated going into the season, uh, given all that they lost from their ACC championship team. But, you know, it's Western Michigan. They should be able to take care of business. Uh, Clemson hosting Louisiana Tech. Clemson, 33-point favorites. 33 is a lot. Um 
God, I, I keep saying that. Like I, I've said that three times now. And for the third time, I'll go ahead and bet on the team with the big spread. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm not confident that this is War Machine Clemson, like we were talking about a couple of years ago. But uh, go ahead and give me uh, give me the Tigers. Do I believe in Clemson that much offensively? Probably I mean, not. they didn't they didn't cover 33 <laughs> against Furman, so I'm not going to have them cover 33 against Louisiana Tech. That's just kind of my thought process there. I don't believe in DJU. Not yet. Not right now. Uh, Miami hosts Texas A&M. Texas A&M, a six-point favorite. Well, actually, Texas A&M is the home team, but regardless, Texas A&M, six-point favorite. Yeah, big game here. A&M's got, getting a lot, of, a lot of questions considering all these you know, recruiting classes and all these losses that they keep picking up. Um, I'm going to go with the Aggies to rebound here. I think this is going to be a bit of a wake-up call for Miami, and it's going to be a, a measuring a measuring stick for Mario Cristobal's uh, bunch. Uh, Miami hasn't played anybody yet, um, and I do believe A&M is the more talented team, and they're at home. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke is probably not going to have a fun one in this, so go ahead and give me the Aggies to cover six. I'm with Texas A&M as well, but if Miami, you know, wins or even just keeps it within that six-point spread, I think suddenly we have a new prohibitive favorite in the ACC Coastal, at least. Uh, yep. And that kind of goes without saying. They might still be the favorite in the ACC Coastal, even if they lose by two touchdowns. But nonetheless. Uh, last one here. Yeah. Virginia Tech. Wofford. I found a spread. 36 and a half point favorites are the Hokies. Can they cover Ricky? Wow. 36? No. I, I, I don't think Tech covers 36. I'm not sure they're going to score 36 points. Um, it'd be great if they did, <laughs> obviously. But, yeah, 36 and a half seems a bit outrageous. Uh, so, I guess I'm going to take the Terriers, cover the spread. I, I, in terms of final score, I don't know, 38 to 10, I think seems – Seems somewhat reasonable. Uh, I'll go ahead and stick with that. You know, maybe it ends up being like 38 to 7, but 36 and a half. I mean, even if Tech were to score 38, they can't even give up a field goal. So, yeah, I, I'm going to go with Wofford to cover that. Same as you, same thought process. I mean, if, if Tech were to keep the ones in and try to run up the score, I'm sure they probably could. I don't envision that yeah. happening, though. That would not be a wise move by Brent Pry. So, yeah, I'm going to take Wofford in this one, too. But Virginia Tech wins, I would say, pretty handily. They don't give up. They score more than 30. They allow no more than 10, but probably not enough. All right, Ricky, any last words for the people at home? No, uh, make sure you rate, review, subscribe. Uh, make sure you're letting your friends know about the Hokie Hangover. Uh, go ahead and make sure you follow us all on Twitter. Uh, Mike's writing a ton. I've got uh, my second column of the week is now uh, available on DullesDistrict.com. Make sure you follow all of us uh, for all of our content. And uh, I will not be at Wofford this weekend, or I should say in Blacksburg this weekend for the Wofford game. But I will be there uh, for the Black Diamond Trophy game against West Virginia next Thursday. Yep, same deal for me. No Wofford appearance for Andrew. That's the one game I've decided not to go to. But... I'll be a West eleven eight kick, man. What kind of what kind of mess is that? It's called not enough people care, unfortunately. But <laughs> it's reality. It's 
and I'm fine with it. I'll stick back in Charlotte for this week. And then before next week even ends, I'll be back in the Berg. So that's exciting stuff for what should be just a crazy, crazy atmosphere for, you know, a couple of teams that, uh, you know, you hope to think are evenly matched. West Virginia lost to Kansas, but we'll have a full preview on that coming up soon. Uh, shout out Matt Basquet, one of our listeners. I met him at Hokey House the other day. Fan of the pod. If you're a fan of the pod, we're a fan of you. And uh, he said he's in medical school. So it means he's going to be doing much more important stuff than any of us have ever done, with the exception of maybe Mike's current fatherhood gig, which uh, obviously is a time-consuming one. So hopefully we'll get Mike back on for the pod uh, next time around. But until then, my friends, enjoy the Wofford game. Enjoy your weekend. And as always, go home. <laughs>